you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity uh, to sit before your word again. And we just pray that our hearts would be um, open and uh, desirous of doing your will and living in a way that would bring light uh, to the nation that we live in, to the community that we live in, to the world that we live in. And we praise you for how you work in and through us. We just pray you would do so uh, by your spirit in a powerful way where we can see and and understand and grasp the magnitude of the work that you're doing um, through us. We love to see your, your hand at work in our lives and in the lives of others that we invest in. In Christ's name, amen. So we are, the church is, um, you, you might have heard people say it in this way, a city within a city. Like we are, um, in, in some you know, cases, you, you could say, uh, what we, when we think about ourselves, is we are this community of people, a believing community, in the midst of like a, a lost world. We are striving to let our light shine before men in such a way that they see uh, our good works and they glorify the Father. We are truly a people who are walking into darkness and we are shining light and not necessarily uh, doing so. You know, for some people, I think they think if they know some truth, they're like shining light to uh, point out darkness in a way to just kind of like condemn the culture. You know, but it's not in that case. We are shining the light of the glorious gospel to rescue sinners. And and again, it's real easy to get that mixed up in our heads. So we are people, uh, in Titus 3 it speaks of that, for we were once disobedient and deceived and enslaved, but when the kindness of God and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not because of us, but because what he did by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so we are not people that proudly say, oh, I, under, I have this understanding of truth because I'm inherently good and I understand things better than others and that kind of thing. It's not like we, we, we point to the one who rescued us, who caused us to be born again, who rescued us from our sins, helped us see, gave us eyes and ears and minds, to understand and so we as people who have been recipients of grace who have been rescued are now going out into the world as rescuers we who are not a part of the kingdom and brought in the kingdom and now we're ambassadors of the kingdom and so it's important i think to understand that i'm going to do something with you just for a moment in colossians to let you see it because I don't want you to forget. Sometimes for me, I just need to keep re- reminding myself of certain truths so that when I go back, I can think about Colossians and it helps me think about life as a whole. So Colossians 1, verse 13 and 14 says this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So it's saying he redeemed us, he rescued us, he transferred us, he did this. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind 
doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So again, you're just thinking about what is this all about? We are a light to the world. We are a light in, we, we, we are a light in darkness. We live as a little, you might say, a community. Sometimes you think about it in Ephesians, a new humanity, a redeemed people in a dark world, in a world given over to this present darkness. And we are shining lights in that world. Why are we? Because we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Colossians 3, 10 and 11, having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So we are a, a people that have been transformed. And he says it doesn't really matter what station you are in in life, what place you're in, whether you're educated or uneducated or uh, wh- whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. If you are a, ki- you know, a part of the, uh, the, the kingdom, if you are a child of the king, you are a child of the king. And you have been transferred into this new kingdom. Colossians 3, 5 says, As a result, put to death what is earthly in you. So you're, he's saying, like, but since you're a part of this heavenly kingdom, still living on earth, seeking to be a light in the world, put to death those things that are earthly in you, and he'll start with a behavior and trace it down to the heart. He goes on in Colossians 3.8, put away anger and wrath and malice and slander. And instead, because you're a part of this kingdom, because you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, because you were once dead and now you're alive, because you were once blind and now you see. Now you can go out into the world as light in the darkness because in this present darkness, You are one who has been brought to the light to carry the light. So he says, what does it look like? Colossians 3, 12 to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another in love, forgiving one another, and above all, put on love which binds everything together. What is he saying? Someone who has been transformed, someone who has gone from being dominated by this earthly, present, dark age and brought into the light, experienced the saving work of Christ in their life, filled with the knowledge of God, empowered by the Spirit. They're changed. They are transformed. And they are no longer to live as if they are dominated by darkness, but rather live as children of light. So, he goes from there explaining that, and then he says this will impact every relationship within the the, the whole Christian community. And he lays out, this is the relationship between the husband and wife, parents to children, and then, you know, slaves to masters. But in this sense, 
we would we said employer to employee just to kind of put that together for us but the household was what it was like and he's saying it will change your whole household who you have been made and the attitudes that flow from that it changes every relationship that you have so that's a big kind of picture today today he is going to leave that and he will say what does your relationships look like outside the church that's the big deal today what are your relationships like outside the church what is it going to be like for you to who have been transformed by the gospel now living in this present world some of you right now if i was to say on an average basis if we were to talk about how you view the world you think in terms of them as potentially your enemy you think of them as like these wretched people you can't stand them you like to sit around and think about how we could kind of get rid of all those people that do not think like you. You know? And, and talk about how bad the world is and how much you can't stand it. But that's not, that's not really the heart of the Apostle Paul here. The heart of someone who's been humbled by the Gospel realizes that but for God's grace, you would be, still be in darkness and you would still live in rebellion. You would still not pursue the things of God. And so I think it's important that we look at this and say, the emphasis today is living as a witness. There, there's, kind of, there's two things here, preparation through prayer and then the encounters that follow that. The encounters of witness, I guess you could say, that follow that. So we are children of light living in this dark world going out into that world and paul's going to help us in thinking about it so let's do that living as a witness is at the heart we have preparation and the encounters that follow that and so we're just going to start by preparing really the church you know how do we do that preparation here is by prayer so look at verse two continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving Paul believes in prayer. And that, that's something, sometimes I just have to <clears throat> go back to that reality. I believe in prayer. I believe that it works. I mean, there are times where I just have to remind myself that, that God says His people should pray and that He acts. I, and I have to go back and, and remind myself of that regularly. I believe that God works all things after the counsel of His will, and prayer is an instrument of Him doing that. He uses prayer, his, the prayers of His people, to, to do His work. It's a means. It's an instrument. It's a tool. It's, it's, it's a way that God allows you to participate in, in what He's doing. So for us not to make a habit of prayer is to kind of like discount that instrument, that tool that God has for us to use. I mean, that, that He wants us to employ. That he, he is calling us to be a part of. So you can coast kind of in your spiritual disciplines or get distracted. It's even easy to grow weary in praying. But the Lord is he's calling us like to, to, to move forward in that. I mean, you kind of sometimes you just wonder, you think like, do we really want to see the lost saved and do we really want to be a part of that? 
you really desire that, you know? Because sometimes you might think of your Christian life, and it's like, I just want to be good. I want everything to be good with me. And, you know, what happens in the world, well, whatever. And you say, I don't think like that, but we struggle with that. We can battle with that. So we get distracted. This one author said, prayer is not like an emergency use only kind of thing. You know, which is kind of a cheesy way of saying, but I do think that happens a lot where people are constantly living life and and then prayer only begins to really warm up when trouble hits. You know, can you pray? Please pray. There's like no desire for that other than when there's trouble and it's dangerous and i think it's important we say we do pray at all times and we should pray during troubled times but prayer should be consistently a part of our life we need to meet with our lord and the great ministry of prayer something he modeled for us and not only that we just said it in our confession i believe or the assurance we have a great high priest we can go to him and we, we, he's interceding on our behalf. We can enter into the very throne room of God and pray. And we should. And it's for our good. And it's for the good of others that we would pray. God is doing His work through us. So again, think about Colossians. Colossians, he is talking about you growing up into maturity. In Colossians, he's laid out for us like what it means to be transformed by the gospel in colossians he's going to talk about the attitudes that flow from someone uh, transformed by the gospel and the relationships that change within the family and the in the church family because of the gospel and then he's going to say guys so you have this understanding of who i am your understanding of what your relationship's like here and now your understanding of mission. What are you doing here? Why do you exist here? Where are you going? And that's where we are. And so we're saying like, how does the church uh, move forward in these, this work, this great work that God's called us to do? Well, they, part of the preparation is prayer. It's a means. <clears throat> so, Let's keep going. I want you to look at Colossians 1, verses 9 to 12. (coughs) And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. What does he say? When he heard about what was going on in them, it moved his heart to pray. When you see a brother or sister pursuing the right things, it should incite your heart to pray. And if you see them not, you should be praying. God is calling us to be a part of that, to be continually, steadfastly praying. For some people, uh, you know, being consistent in their prayer is easier. For others, 
maybe the consistency is just like I do it consistency consistently, but they're not steadfast in it. They're not like holding on to the Lord in their prayer and really striving with the Lord. And so in both cases, you just say, you need to keep pressing on in your prayer. There's also this idea of just being watchful. When you're thinking about being watchful, have y'all ever, um, uh, I mean, some of you may pay, some people, I don't know, it depends on the person, I guess. Some of you may have been trained in certain things in life, and you kind of, it's almost like you know exactly, let's say that you were trained in the military, and you were able to, I don't know, maybe you worked in a certain aspect of it where you were able to identify things because of the way that they trained you. Or maybe uh, you're in the medical field, and there are things that you can just see. I mean, it's just like, uh, it's almost like you can walk into a situation, and when you look at it, you like almost immediately know what is wrong. Because your, your senses have been trained. It's, uh, it's, you can look out and see. Uh, my cousin is in the restaurant business. He can walk into a restaurant and see things that are not right. He knows what right looks like there. He's, it, there's this kind of level of intensity. It's in his mind and on his, his thoughts, and he's considering all of these things, and there's all this stuff running through his head, and it's almost like just painted across the deal, and he can make you a list of things that would need to be He's a, there's an awareness there. He's been trained by it. You being watchful is really important because it's almost like you're paying attention to what's going on around you, spiritually speaking. With thanksgiving. Um, here's the thing. Sometimes when you're really watchful, you can get really down. Because you could see a lot of sin. You know? And a real awareness to what's going on, you can see it, and it, it could make you so discouraged. But with Thanksgiving is like, I know that my Lord is watching out for us. I know that He cares for us. I know that He is defending us. I know that He... <clears throat> Although Satan may be roaming around like a roaring lion trying to devour, I know that my Lord and Savior has rescued us. So it's watchful and awareness, not foolish, not just going around acting like there's not spiritual battles going on. But it's also with a thankful heart, knowing that our Lord has been victorious over all of our enemies. So, prayer, prayer, like when you're thinking about it, is, is a, it's a preparation thing. Always prepared. Always prepared. Always asking. Always seeking. Always in awareness. Always looking. Training your spiritual senses to see. Always going to the one that can help us. Paul goes on. He does the same thing in Ephesians. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison that I may make it clear 
which is how I ought to speak. Now, what is, what is Paul asking for? You might think, he's an apostle. <clears throat> he doesn't know how to clearly speak the gospel. Like, really? He needs prayer in that? What's wrong with him? No, I mean, you, you stop and think, like, what is that? Paul knows that struggle is a part of, like, trying to get the word out is sometimes a struggle. One thing you see here is he's in prison. And what's interesting, he's not saying, get me out. A, a, a man that's just wanting to, you know, there's a, 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 in Philippians, I think he says, I might be in prison, but the gospel's not. He is not trying to get out. He is praying for opportunity. He wants the door to be open. You think about your Christian life. Some of you say, I'm a pretty mature Christian. So what does that mean? Does that mean you have a lot of knowledge? Does that mean that you... Uh, have a pretty steady life right now. Your family's doing well. <clears throat> what is maturity? I think maturity looks like he wants to see the door of the word for the word knocked down. He wants to reach out and touch and impact people. <clears throat> so Paul is facing these struggles. And he's asking, like, y'all pray for me to have opportunity. The other thing he says, to declare the mystery of Christ. <clears throat> this kind of comes down to content. He wants the gospel to be clearly presented. The gospel as a mystery <clears throat> is not something like you can't. It's not to not be understood. It's just that it's been unveiled and he wants to make it clear. He wants to unpack it. <clears throat> He's wanting to make sure that the whole of the gospel is unfolded before people. <clears throat> Have you ever been sidetracked trying to share the gospel? Some people, when you're trying to explain it, They'll come up with the craziest stuff. And you'll be like, what does that have to do with anything we're talking about? The answer, nothing. Seriously. And sometimes you're like, <clears throat> I'm going to come up with like 50 different replies for every question they have. People that have those questions over and over, they don't really want an answer. They don't necessarily, most of the time, want the gospel. They want to make you feel like that you're incapable of answering what they're incapable of answering. You are capable of answering the basics of the gospel. God is holy. Man is sinful. Christ is Lord and Savior. And you must turn to Him Believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save you and follow him from that point forward. <coughs> it is a simple message. And people will try to 
turn you down like so many different rabbit trails. Paul says, pray for us. Pray that I get it clear. Uh, I mean, that I, uh, that I get to give you the right content. And then the clarity piece would be, Paul wants to make sure that when he's explaining it, that he doesn't get in the way. Have y'all ever, um, if somebody ever asks you, well, tell me how do you do this, and you're like stammering around, you know, like you might say, um, just, <laughs> just tell me. And you start talking, then you go in circles and circles and circles, and you look up and go, I have no idea how to explain that. You know, Paul's saying, I think for Paul, he had explained it a lot, but I still think he struggled with, like, let me make this as clear as I possibly can. Let me have the right words to speak to the people in a certain time and make this simple and accurate as I possibly can. Paul knew, like we know, you don't have unlimited time. So. We're talking about living as witness. As a witness, we say pray, and you pray, and you pray. You pray for yourself. You pray for Paul. You pray for people all over the world seeking to witness with the gospel. And then he says, as a witness, you need to walk in wisdom with the outsider. Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom with the outsider, making the best use of time. Now, I, I just I, you got to think about this just for a minute. Like, wisdom is a word that he uses in Colossians other times. He speaks of, like, Christ being their source of wisdom in 2-3. <clears throat> in one nine, it says that wisdom is given by the Spirit. In one twenty eight, it's found in the apostolic teaching, that is the wisdom of God in 316 we are to teach and admonish one another in all wisdom so wisdom is something that he has been speaking of all along the way now here's the thing wisdom is not just biblical knowledge but it's knowledge put into practice empowered by the spirit now what what do I what am I saying why am I saying that? I think it's important to say there are people who can win Bible trivia that are not wise. I mean they just are. They can like <laughs> spout off like all kinds of doctrinal stuff. They can quote verses. They're so um loaded up with knowledge but they lack wisdom. There, there's a, <clears throat> a lot of times, but here's the thing. Being old doesn't mean you're even wise. As a side note, time can make a fool a greater fool. Did y'all know that? Yeah, like you just have more time to be more foolish. You know? Growing in wisdom It's when you learn the word, you put it into practice by the power of the Spirit to God's glory and the good of others. That is so important because folly is no respecter of age, right? 
So I think it's important just to remind yourself of that. Now, what is he saying? What, what is the point here? Think about what he is saying. He says, make the best use of your time with outsiders. What, what's going on here? Walk in wisdom without outsiders, making the best use of your time. It's a marketplace word. It's like going in and saying, I'm going to buy everything the vendor has. I'm going, to, I'm going to buy everything that he has. What are you buying here? Time. You're buying up all time and opportunity. That, that's the idea here. That you buy up all time and opportunity possible to use what? To capitalize on, using, on sharing the gospel. That, that's kind of the picture in this text. It is wisdom that like to, to do that. Why? Because time is short. Ephesians 5.16 says, Time's not only short, but the days are evil. The people on earth, in Noah's day and throughout the history of the Bible, the people of the world think they have all the time in the world. You and I both know... They don't have all the time. There's not enough time. You and I both know that it is a, you are a second away from leaving this life and entering the other. So as a Christian, you're making the most of the time. You're buying up as much time as you can. Because you know that time is short and the days are evil. And so as you sit there and say, Lord, please make the most of my time. Lord, please make my presentations of the gospel. Fill them with good content and clarity because I don't have that much time. And I know they don't have that much time. They think they have a lot of time. They think they're going to retire. They think they're going to live a long life. But they don't know. They don't know. So, we have to be keepers of time. Because the clock's ticking. Walk in wisdom with outsiders, knowing that they are not... What, keep The other day... Ben went up to somebody's house, knocked on the door because they had kids there, and said, those kids can come out and play. And the kids were all, like, kind of nervous, you know, and he was like, it's okay, you know, we're not that mean of kids, you know. And so the mom, I know the, their mom, the, the, boy, the, the boys there, their mom, and she's, um, she started telling Ben about that. But anyway... So he, they end up uh, coming out, to a couple of them come out to play, but, but the one that stayed the longest said, I got to go back. And Ben said, I didn't understand. So he told his mom later, I didn't understand. He didn't have a watch on. He wasn't keeping up with the time. His mom didn't say, you got 10 minutes, and he set his timer. He wasn't doing that. Like, where do you have to go? 
keeping up with the time for the believer is saying to yourself, time is short, the days are evil, do not delay. Do not delay. How do you capitalize on the time? The gospel is something that we speak. That's, I mean, for some of us, we think we need to be a good witness, and we do. We have to be. But the gospel is not shared by witness only. Somebody doesn't say, look at their great witness, how kind they were today. I know who Jesus is now. I know he died on the cross for our sins. I know they don't do that. It is, but it is that our, our works need to validate our words, but the gospel comes to people in word. So what does he say? I want you to notice here. <clears throat> Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You have to speak. A gracious words should come forth. Now, what does that mean? I think it has to do with the content and the manner of speaking. It, you, you want to say the words that you speak should be life to people. You should bring those to them. I, I, don't mean that, I don't think that doesn't mean that those aren't sometimes really difficult and hard. They are. The gospel is offensive, but the way in which you do it is not like, uh, I don't think you should say, I'm going to follow the pattern of the prophet Jonah who was angry about reaching that, those people with the gospel. I don't think you should be resentful. I don't think you should be prejudiced. I don't think you should be hostile. I don't think you should be proud or ignorant, it, kind of like in your ignorance, I guess you could say, and loveless. It's like you all those things are earthly. You're putting on heavenly attitudes. A heavenly heart. A heart that looks like someone who really genuinely loves the people they are speaking to. You're longing to that your words and your, your heart are both uh, presenting the gospel in a way that it is sounds like good news. So I think that's important to see. It should flow from a heart of that's been redeemed by grace, saved by grace. He goes on. Season with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Um, it is funny. We do these, uh, I can't remember the now what it's called. We get these little boxes. They come in. Boys, do one of y'all tell me what those are called? Those little boxes that come into our house with candy in there? Uh, you got to tell me. Universal Yums? Yeah. And so Universal Yums come into our house once a month from different parts of the world. Somebody in our family chooses the first little bag of candy or whatever. We go around the table and we number them. And one of the, you know, somebody, Ben always says 10. You know, Ben and Sam like 10s. I like to be like, that's a 3, a 5, a 7, a, you know. But 
they they're like uh, they're thinking about that. They're they're saying like this doesn't taste right. It's called this. It doesn't taste like that. When you're cooking and you're a really good cook, you're taking uh, the 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 stuff and you're you're tasting it and saying, is it right? What's the right proper seasoning? Now think about this. If your words are seasoned with salt so that you may know how to, you, to answer each person, what you're saying is it's not a one-size-fits-all. The content of the gospel, in one sense, doesn't change, but the way in which you are laying that out before someone probably will. If you're listening, if you're thinking about what they're asking, and, and you're wanting to answer them in a way that makes sense that gives grace to them if it's somebody that's like uh struggling with like how could i be brought into the family somebody that says i can't believe i could ever be forgiven somebody comes to you and says like i feel like god never would show grace and kindness to this type person someone comes to you in in so many different ways you're trying to meet them where they are and bring the gospel there with clarity. You're trying to be wise and thoughtful in all that you present and lay before them. Knowledge of the Bible is important. But what he's saying, I think, here is <clears throat> it's not just the, just having the knowledge and like slamming it down their throat. It's not it's not it's not going in there and saying, like, well, this is what they need right now, bam, and you hit them every time just not how it works sometimes you're going to get a little moment sometimes you're going to get longer moments sometimes you're going to need to speak in this way and other times in this other way and so in all cases he's saying i'm pr- let's let's pray and act in such a way in wisdom where we are blessing those that we are speaking to so again colossians is about walking in the fullness of your union with christ it's about experiencing the fullness of Christ and knowing Him and understanding Him and grasping the magnitude of the Gospel message and all the life that you have in Him. It, 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 It transcends like every kind of group of people the gospel comes to all and and they all if they are in Christ are united to Him experience the wonderful blessings of that it's also it changes us on the inside and, and it makes us desire to live a life that be pleasing to the Lord and it makes us want to pursue relationships within the community that are pleasing to the Lord because we are in the Lord and then when we walk out the door out into the world we want the gospel to spread to the people of the world and we want to do so through prayer and through proper encounters with them. And so I just ask this morning that as you pray that you would ask the Lord to make us better and more faithful witnesses of this glorious gospel that we have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that we have been brought from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We know that we were dead in our sins, but you made us alive together with Christ. We know that we've been united to him if we are in him we've been united to him we have all the benefits that come through knowing the lord and so as we go out into the world lord we want to be faithful stewards of the message 
And we know that we need your strength to do it. We know that you, we need you to guide us in doing it. We ask that you'd give us better and better clarity about how to present the gospel and to do so in a way that gives grace to those who hear. In Christ's name, amen. If you would stand with me. Every week.